Thanks for joining us today. At City Life, we have one purpose, making it easy for people to say yes to Jesus. We believe today's message will empower you to do exactly that. But remember that church is so much more than a sermon you listen to. It's a living, breathing community that we invite you to be a part of. We hope to see you on a Sunday morning at City Life. I didn't know. We have been talking. Uh, this, we, this has been a, a great series, and uh, this, this series, I didn't know, has been, it's really been a series about following the ways of Jesus, and uh, I hope you've gotten as much out of this series as Monica and I have gotten out of this, and, and our family uh, I think this has maybe been one of the most eye-opening experiences of, uh, that, that we've had into, into the ways of following Jesus. And you know, Jesus didn't actually invite us just to a belief system. He actually invited us to a way of living. He invited us, he, he said, come to me and learn from me how to bear the, the yoke of life or the weight of life in such a way that, that doesn't kill you but leaves you able to carry that load. And so the ways of Jesus, they're, they're, not, they're not just rules, but they're practices that he showed us in order to experience uh, life and life more abundantly. And so we've looked at some different, uh, we've looked at some different practices. One of them was slowing, which is kind of a 21st century practice that we need to just learn because our, our, the pace of our world doesn't slow. You know, uh, 150 years ago, when, it, when the sun went down, there was no light. Candles were expensive, oil was expensive, so you, you just learned that you had to slow because everything slowed. But in our day and age, we can be, we can be plugged in, turned on, lit up 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. We have to learn how to counteract that. Uh, the, you know, the second thing, or one of the other practices was simplifying. And simplifying is, is really, it's not just being a minimalist or, or just trying to get rid of things for the sake of getting rid of things, but it's reducing the clutter and the need for more stuff and learning to find contentment and, and in, what, in what we have and, and in those around us and control our constant desire for more, which is a desire that the world around us uh, feeds quite regularly. Uh, another one is silence and solitude, which is really about getting comfortable with ourselves and getting comfortable with God, uh, turning off the noise and the influence of the world around us. And I think of all the practices we've looked at, I think this one's actually the one that has most deeply resonated with me. And uh, our world is full of what I would call engineered anxiety. It's, it's just, it's articles, opinions, threads, posts, they bombard us without mercy. And they're, they're all designed to, to generate this, this response of anxiety and fear. And, uh, you know, um, about three weeks ago, I just decided, you know, I'm going to take the suggestion of one of these things that I've said. Isn't that great that the preacher actually tries something he, that he suggests? It's, we do once in a while do that. Uh, but I, I took a break from the news. I just decided, yeah, I'm going to shut it all off. I'm not going to follow it. I'm not going to keep up to date. You think, well, there's so much happening in the world. How can you do that? Well, what you do is you just shut off all your notifications and don't check it. And then it's not around you. And I would specifically skip over any posts, uh, like uh, social media posts that had to do with news. And uh, after a couple weeks, I found that my anxiety levels or just that anxiousness, those levels were just 
dropping. In fact, they were dropping, they were dropping significantly. And then this last week, I, I read a couple of news articles and posts about you know, current events, and I could literally feel the anxiety just beginning to flood back in, trying to creep back in. And you, we live in a world where anxiety, your, anxiety has been engineered to get a response out of you. And uh, silence and solitude, it just teaches us to get away from that. To get away from that, uh, to get away from that anxiety and the anxiousness and the busyness, and then of course Sabbath, which I talked about a couple of weeks ago, and uh, which is so much more than just a day off, but it's actually a day where um, that that sets the pace for our whole week, a day where our soul finds rest. And one of the things uh, to understand about the, all these practices are actually interconnected. You can't, you can't Sabbath if you don't simplify. You can't simplify unless you slow down. You know, you can't simplify unless you get some solitude. And uh, it's, you, you know, in this season, it's been a season where many aspects of our life have been put on pause. Uh, a lot of people have discovered a lot of things about themselves. Some, some of those things have been good, and some of those things have been not so good. You know, some people have been, have been in lockdown with their families, and it's been a glorious experience. Other people thought maybe hell had arrived on the earth, and, <laughs> and that they would have to, they, they didn't know if they would survive it. Uh, you know, it, pressure doesn't Pressure doesn't make us into what we are. Pressure just really, it just pulls out what we are. It shows us what we are. So things come, in, come to the surface in our life in times like this, which is actually really good because that means we can now deal with those things. We can now, we can now take steps to address those things. But as this, um, as this season ends, and if this season will end, and there will be another season that will follow it, I want us to ask the question now, um, of ourselves, am I going to just return to the way things were, or will I return different? Will I learn to handle life different? Or when, when all the busy, anxious pace comes flooding back in, am I just going to drink the Kool-Aid and go back to living it just distracted and busy all the time? And, and uh, you know, the, the, uh, talk about, talked about this, this thing called anxiety. I think it's really interesting to know uh, or to look where anxiety actually came into the human race. Uh, when, we go to, when we go to the Bible, where we, we look, where did anxiety start? Where is the first place that we find anxiety? And it's, it's interesting. It's right in the first story of the first people in the garden. And it's, it, anxiety entered the equation when Adam and Eve decided to abandon God's instruction and do their own thing. When they decided that they knew better than God and they ended up, as a result, they realized they had disobeyed God and they ended up hiding from God and they ended up separated from God's presence. And you know, anxiety enters our lives really when we rely on ourselves separate from God's presence and God's direction in and for our lives. And so these, these practices that we've looked at, they're not they're not just practices about doing practices. If all you do is get, get quiet and, and solitude and you slow down and you simplify your life, that doesn't necessarily mean you've done anything good. The, the idea behind these practices is that they're creating room for God's presence 
in our lives. As long as the busyness fills our lives, God's presence can't fill our lives. And so this is about creating room for God's presence to fill our lives, for, for the anxiety to be displaced by something greater called the Spirit of God. And so two weeks ago, uh, I, I talked about Sabbath, and, and as we finish this series up today, I want to I wanna return back to this, because I think this is, of all the things that we've looked at, I, I realize this is a practice that has really been, lar- it's largely been forgotten in the Western church, and, and the practice has been lost. And uh, just in studying this, as I was reading through in, in Exodus, reading through the Ten Commandments, I realized that the the command the commandment to sabbath is actually as long as the other nine commandments combined when it take when you when you look at the real estate that it takes up in the in the book of exodus it's incredibly detailed it's the most detailed commandment that's given and it it wasn't commanding just rest for the leaders it wasn't just commanding rest for those that worked the hardest or or rest for the children it was it was being very clear this is to be rest for you for your family for your servants it was it was to be for even for their animals it was to be rest for foreign visitors it was to be rest for Basically, everybody and everything was to get this gift of rest. And I think, you know, the Ten Commandments, they, they show the heart of God towards us as people. They show his heart. Our, his heart for us is that we don't kill. We don't, you know, we don't lie. We don't cheat. We don't slander. But it's also his heart for us towards us is that he wants us to be rested. That his, his heart towards us is one that, that we're refreshed and we have life. It's, it's the one command that was given. It's actually quite selfish for us to, to keep the Sabbath. If, if, you, if you keep this day, it, it almost, you almost seem like, well, what's your problem? Why, why is it all about you? Yet God said you need to have this, this part of your life that is about you because your soul needs to be healthy. And you can't do the rest if your soul is not healthy. And so, you know, the lot, lots of people will ask the question, well, what, well, how do I Sabbath? What do I do on Sabbath? Which is the biggest struggle of all because Sabbath isn't really a day about doing or accomplishing. It's actually uh, a day about being. It's not a day to, to catch up on the yard work or the housework or the bills that you didn't catch up on during the week. It's, it's a day to really to learn to how to be together, how to be in relationship, how to, uh, how to be a healthy person. And, you know, as I, I know personally, I'm very addicted to doing and I'm extremely uncomfortable with being. And uh, to be to to be like frankly honest, I have resisted the idea of Sabbath my whole Christian life. When I hear about others talk about Sabbath, I would think personally, well, sucks for you to be caught up in legalism, you know. <clears throat> of course, I don't think that those that don't murder, cheat, or lie or commit adultery are caught up in legalism. But when it comes to taking a day of rest and refreshing. Somehow this represents the pinnacle of bondage and rules. <laughs> so what we've learned, uh, you know, we've learned that rest is the foundation for being. Um, you know, the, the pattern we find in the Bible is not work six days, rest one. It's actually rest one day, work six. The first day, uh, uh, Adam, 
Adam was created on the sixth day. His first day was a day of rest. The, the next day was a day of rest. And, uh, you know, the common conception that we treat rest, we treat rest as a reward for work. So we don't rest until our work is completed. But the problem is work's never completed. It never stops. There's always something else to do. There's always another project that has to be completed. And so what happens is we, we keep putting off rest. We keep putting off, uh, we keep, keep putting off that Sabbath. God's rest is what prepares us for work. God's rest is what prepares us for relationship. God's rest is what prepares us to, to be healthy and whole. Uh, Sabbath, it's interesting when you, you look at Sabbath, it's not actually something you create. It's, it's something you enter. Sabbath was made by God right at the very beginning of creation. God made this day and he said this day is set apart. So it's a day that God has gone in advance to prepare for us and he invites us to Sabbath with him. And when we choose to do that, we're actually choosing to enter into a rest that's already been prepared by God for us to experience. It's an invitation to stop from our own efforts and to experience uh, a rest that God himself prepared. It's not a rest that we achieve ourselves. It's the rest that's been prepared for us, for our souls, for our complete being. Uh, it's not what we do, but it's what's been done for us that we choose to say yes to. And so when we fight this rhythm, when we ignore this rhythm, rhythm when, we, when we suppress it, we push past it, we, we bully it, we make excuses, we look for a way to get out of it, well, we actually end up reaping the consequences of that. And we see it in the world around us, the, the mental and emotional toll that the pace of the world around us has, has taken, uh, the, the, the numbness, the emotional numbness that it's created in people, the, uh, the distractedness that we've had as people. It's the one, the one stat that I had read uh, at the beginning, I think at the beginning of this series is, you know, 30 years ago, the average attention span was 12 seconds, which isn't great. But, but now the average attention span of, of people is six seconds. So even, even goldfish are, are like nine seconds. So, so we're, we're not doing good here. I probably got those numbers wrong, but you get the idea. You know, the, we, this is all the result of pushing past this, these practices and this, and this practice of Sabbath. Emotional, emotional unhealth has become normal. Irritability, and it's, you know, it's, the way it's being presented to us is kind of like, we need to acknowledge that it's always been there. But the stats actually tell us it hasn't always been there. We are on an emotional decline as a culture that is out of control. And it, it, it has to do with the way we are doing life. You know, a mush, uh, irrational, or irritability, anger, cynicism, and it's twin sarcasm. They, they overwhelm our defenses and they, they're taking control of our dispositions as a culture. Or consider our bodies. We get tired, we get worn out. When we don't rest our bodies, our immune systems start to fail. They start to weaken. Uh, you know, we become susceptible to, to, to flu, to colds, to inflammation, to, to all sorts of, you know, our nervous system itself needs real rest. It's not just enough to try and, and, and slap a power nap into our week somewhere. We need to experience something that's much deeper than just a, a, a temporal patch. So Sabbath, what does it mean? Well, it just means to stop and delight. 
We looked at this a couple of weeks ago. It's a day to stop. To stop, to stop working, to stop wanting, to stop worrying, to just, just stop. Don't do something for God. Be with God. Don't do something for your friends and family, but be present and delight in your friends and family. Sabbath teaches us to live life. It teaches us to be present and to be content. And Sabbath, you know, it's so much more than just a day. It's a, it's a way of being in the world. It's, it's a way of being in the world out of a spirit of restfulness that comes from abiding in God's presence. It's funny is that almost all advertising shows Sabbath. Almost all advertisements that you see, they show people enjoying life. They show people celebrating each other, celebrating life. The, the world, they show you Sabbath but then they take it and pervert and twist it by saying, you have to buy something to experience this. Well, you don't need to buy anything to experience Sabbath. You just need to stop, take a day of your week, take a portion of, even just a portion of a day to start and stop and learn to experience this enjoyment. And of course, delight. The, the word has this dual meaning of stopping and delighting. Sabbath means stop and delight. Enjoy God. Enjoy your life in this world. Enjoy your life in his world. And uh, you know, true Sabbath is a way of being in life where we are, where we are restful when ordinary life is enough. When we can live with a sense of ease and gratitude, appreciation, peace, and, and, in, and prayer. Yeah. One author, he put it like this. He said, the Sabbath is an invitation to enter delight. The Sabbath, when it's, when it's experienced as God intended, is the best day of our lives. And without a question, it's the best day of our week. Sabbath is the holy time where we feast, we play, we dance, we have sex. Yes. <clears throat> For those of you that are asking, did I hear him properly just now? <laughs> All you married couples, uh, Sabbath sex is a thing. <clears throat> I'm not even, I'm not making this up. I would make this up, but I didn't have to make this up. It really is a thing. We have sex, we sing, we pray, we laugh, we tell stories, we read, we paint, we walk, and we watch creation in its fullness. Few people are willing to enter the Sabbath and sanctify it to make it holy because a day of delight and joy is more than most people can bear in a lifetime let alone in a week. Oh. You know, there's, there's a book in the Bible, it's called the book of Hebrews, and it talks very specifically about this thing called Sabbath. And uh, it's how it's not just a day of the week, but it's actually a way of living and being that has been, that has been given to us. And uh, the book of Hebrews, just to give you a quick Bible, Bible college lesson here, the book of Hebrews was a book that was written to Jews. It was, a, it was written so that Jews could help understand the connection between the Old Testament and Jesus. And so it was, it was unfolding all these rules and all these regulations that the Jewish people understood. They knew, they knew the rules. So in a Western culture, we don't know the rules. We don't follow half of the rules. We don't even care that there's rules. But the, the, the Jewish culture understood these rules. They, every Jew would have practiced Sabbath in that time. They would have done it all the time. But what the author is doing here is he's making this connection 
that he's, he's trying to help them understand that, that Jesus and the, and the Sabbath are actually the same. And so as, as he's making this connection, they would have been identified with the rules of the Sabbath. How good of a Jew you were depended on, upon how well you carried out the, kind of the letter of the law or the commands. But the author is trying to show them there's something so much greater and deeper than just keeping the rules, that these rules were actually fulfilled in Jesus, and Jesus came to bring something so much greater. You know, when Jesus talked about the, he referred back to the Ten Commandments in his ministry, he said, you know, you, you, you say, you shall not murder, but he said, he, he took it a step further and said, but if you hate your brother in your heart, I tell you, you're, you're just as guilty as the murderer. Jesus didn't come to get rid of, of the rules. He came to make them into something so much greater that our life is surrounded by, by love and peace and wholeness. And so he, this author is trying to show them. And so we're going to pick up, you can read the whole chapter four of Hebrews on your own. It's a great chapter. Whole book's great. But the, this, this, is a, this chapter four is about rest specifically. And this is where Hebrews chapter four will pick up on the first verse. He said, that's why as long as the promise of entering God's rest remains open to us, we should be careful that none of us seem to fall short ourselves. Now, when the author said this, enter this promise of entering God's rest, every Jew would have known he was talking about Sabbath at that moment. They all would have understood by implication, oh, he's talking about the Sabbath. But what he's saying here, he's, this author is saying there's a promise that people have fallen short of. So in other words, people were keeping the rules, but they were still falling short of this promise of rest. So he said, I'm going to skip down to verse 9. He says, there remains a place of rest, a true Sabbath for the people of God, because those who enter into salvation's rest lay down their labors in the same way that God entered into a Sabbath rest from his so let us move forward to enter this rest. He's talking about rest that comes through the gift of salvation so that none of us fall into the kind of faithless dis disobedience that prevented them from entering that rest. You know, this, this is not just a physical rest, but this is, this is a rest that permeates our entire being, our soul, our very essence, and this, the author was using this, this whole letter to show how the fulfillment of Sabbath actually is found through faith and, through, and found through Jesus Christ. So what is this Sabbath? Well, first of all, it's not legalism. You know, if you're like me, you react against anything that sounds like rules or legalism. I think, I think it's just the, the, the day and age, you know, you can't tell me what to do. Uh, Sabbath is not legalism. It's... Sabbath was actually established before there was even sin on earth. We needed rest before there was even a problem. We needed rest before there was any such thing as emotional unhealth or anxiety. When the earth was a paradise and Adam and Eve lived in perfect, unbroken relationship with their creator and each other, rest was still needed. Well, how much more do we need it in the day and age that we live in? Sabbath, let me give you some quick things on Sabbath. First, Sabbath is an act of faith. True Sabbath 
It, it, like so many a- aspects of what it means to follow Jesus, certain practices simply require faith. To, to begin giving or to begin tithing, it requires faith. To trust God with a difficult situation, whether it's healing or crisis or a, a broken relationship, that requires faith. And to truly enter into Sabbath rest, it actually requires faith. We're not just taking a day off or eating a meal or spending time with family or friends, although Sabbath may involve those things. It's so much more than those things. It's an act of faith. We're believing that as we take this time to stop, that God's presence is actually waiting for us in that moment for us to arrive. The second thing, uh, I think that Sabbath is actually an act of defiance. Sabbath, it's a day where you don't work, you don't think about work, you don't talk about work. work. You're, you're actually specifically not trying to be productive. That's an act of defiance in our world. That's an act of defiance to the pace of the world around us. It actually takes considerable effort to do this. It actually takes, it, it, it takes intentionality to stop like this. Sabbath frees us from the need to do more, to get more, to be more, free from that spirit of anxiety and restlessness that just enslaves our society to always be, to always be doing, to always be achieving. The practice of stopping work, it's, it's an act of resistance. It, it's declaring in a bodily way that we will not be slaves or servants to the system of anxiety that pervades our social environment. We will not be defined by busyness and stress and the pursuit of more. It teaches us to feel another spirit, the Holy Spirit. And it's, it allows a, a calm to come over our whole person. Sabbath is an invitation to relationship. It's a day every week that reminds us that God is more concerned with our presence than he is about our service. He's more concerned that we're with him than we're doing things for him. You know, in any healthy relationships, in any healthy relationship, our efforts don't mean anything without our presence and heart as well. It's not enough to just do things for those around us. Healthy relationship thrives on presence. And Sabbath is a reminder of God's grace. Sabbath forces us to release control of our lives and recognize we can't do it all. You know, the, when the children of Israel were freed from slavery, the very, one of the very first things that God did was reinstitute the Sabbath. And he actually did it by force. And he did it this way. He, he just did it. It was a very simple way that he did it. When they were wandering through the, the, the wilderness, manna would show up to feed them every day. And on the six, six days of the week, they were only... Uh, or five, sorry, five days of the week, they would only collect enough manna to eat that day. And if they collected more, it would go bad by morning. But on the, on the f- evening of the fifth day, when, or when they collected on the fifth day, they were to collect twice as much. It, one was to keep it on the sixth day, or the, the Sabbath, to keep it so that they, they would have enough for the next day. Now, this is, this is where it shows us God's grace. If any of those other days they would have kept too much, then it would go bad. But when, it, when they kept it for the Sabbath, it remained good for another day. And not only that, 
nothing would show up on the Sabbath to be collected. So there was no work to do. They, they couldn't go out and, and collect their food on the Sabbath. This was just a reminder of God's grace that he just, he just forced them to take this time. Take a time to be. You know, in the life of Jesus, there is no, there's no instance where Jesus told us to discontinue the Sabbath. Rather, he came to redeem the Sabbath and restore mankind back to a place of real rest. When Jesus was questioned about the way he would enjoy life with his disciples on the Sabbath or the way he would heal on the Sabbath or help people on the Sabbath, Jesus' answer was actually very straightforward to the Pharisees. Uh, he said, I am the Lord of the Sabbath. I'm the boss of the Sabbath. And, you know, in, in our in our Western church, we understand Jesus as Lord of the harvest. We understand Jesus as Lord of the breakthrough. We understand God as, as God our provider. We pray for him to bless our work. We pray for him to bless our finances, our businesses, our families, and our relationships, our situations. But how often do we ask God to be Lord of our rest? How often do we ask him to bless our rest? That just seems selfish. That just seems, well, well, God couldn't be, God couldn't be that interested in me being rested. And yet Jesus himself said, I am the Lord of your rest. I'm the Lord of the Sabbath. Maybe there might be no single thing that could help us recover Jesus' lordship in our frantic, power-hungry world than to allow him to be Lord of our rest as, as well as Lord of our work. You know, Hebrews, it says there still remains a place of rest, a true Sabbath for the people of God because those who enter into salvation's rest lay down their labors. And then one version says this next part like this. It says, so let us strive to enter this rest. Let us work hard to enter into the rest that God has given to us this rest for our souls. This rest that has been made by Jesus. We don't have to make it. It's been made for us. All we do is enter it. And so as we listen to this next song as the band plays, I would encourage you, invite the Lord of rest to speak to you. Speak about your efforts, your striving, your anxiousness, and open and welcome our hearts and lives up to this gift of peace and rest for our souls that he offers us today. My soul thirsts for things I can't explain in my bones a beckoning to pray if my heart is a battleground my defense is run both ways the flesh is a beggar and thee but there is a spirit man away
When real life and peace won't make amends When all these stars start feeling like these ends Like the world is unraveling And I'm bound to come undone There is a shepherd A priest There is a comforter Who comforts me And my soul finds rest Where it makes no sense There the blood sets me free Oh my old regrets Oh my brokenness Oh my faith Stack my shame There the cross stands for me All the things I've done All the times I've run Oh my day Yeah. Hey.
Jesus, he's Lord of rest. He's the Lord of our rest, the rest of our souls, the rest our souls need. And I wanna, I wanna just lead us in a prayer right now. And wherever you're at, you can join me as I pray this. But it's a prayer saying yes to Jesus, yes to the Lord of rest, to he's saying yes to his ways, yes to following his ways and following in his ways and if wherever you're at i would encourage you just take a moment close your eyes set aside the distractions and let's let's just pray together jesus i say yes to you i say yes to the lord of rest i want to experience your life and your rest in my soul i want to learn to follow in your ways for living i want to learn to follow the way of, of grace and truth. Would you come into my life? Forgive me of my sin. Forgive me where I've gone my own ways and teach me to follow in your ways. Teach me to live life in a way that brings life, your life, to myself and the world around me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And you know, I want to encourage you, if that's the first time that you've prayed a prayer like that, we would love to hear from you. And you can you go can go on, on the the app or the webpage at cty.lc slash you and just 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 connect with us on there. And uh, also you might be wondering, well, what do I do now? I've I've prayed this prayer. Where, where do I go from here? Well, we have a we have a next steps uh, class that just basically teaches you who is God, who are you? What's the church and where do you fit? And we would love to connect with you. Uh, you can just go to cty.lc slash next steps and uh, you, can, you can get introduced to that. And we would just love to connect with you there. And you know, over the, over the 
past couple of weeks, lots of people have been asking, well, what, Mike, what are you doing? Like you, you talk about Sabbath, but what are you doing for this? And because Sabbath is this time we enter, but Sabbath is also a verb. It's something that you do. And it's not something you perfect, it's something you practice. It's a skill that you hone. You, you don't ever really arrive at it. And so I discovered that like as we begin to practice it, I'm not very good at it. Uh, but it's just like when you try and play a guitar for the very first time, you're not very good at that either. But as you continue to practice, then one day you get to sound like the sweet, sultry strings of Jeremy right behind me in the background. <clears throat> and so what you can do, uh, one of the things we've, we've done, our, actually our kids initiated this, and so we just said, let's, let's just do it this way and start your Sabbath with a meal together. And, and uh, one of the things we've done, we've just begun to cook a meal together every week as a family. We've really come to enjoy it. We plan this meal all week long. We discuss what are we going to have? What's for dinner? Who's bringing what? And what will dessert be? Because dessert must be epic. But uh, if you're single, you know, invite some friends over, have a gourmet meal together. Uh, some things that you can do, start by just listing what you're thankful for. One thing I read, someone said, you know, make a life-giving list and just, just look at the, th the things and list off the things that bring you life and joy. Uh, one of the things I encourage you, don't talk about work. Don't talk about what you do. Uh, by, re by doing this, we just refuse to let our identity be in what we do. And, and we, our identity begins to shape around who we are and who God says we are. Turn off your tech. This will help a lot. Just put it in another room. I, I'm, I guarantee you can go a meal or even a day without checking, uh, having your phone attached to your side. And, uh, you know, now at our house, if you pull out the phone during that meal, you're going to get ribbed. Isn't that right, Monica? <clears throat> Uh, you know, one, another thing you can do is on in this time is take take a chapter maybe in the book that we have been taught this that this series has been based on the re, the ruthless elimination of hurry. Just take a moment and read through that book and just uh, take a calm moment where you're not just trying to power through and get your reading done, but where you just take a moment and reflect and just ask yourself during that that time what is what is God trying to say to me. And uh, just, you know, Sabbath isn't about rules, but it's about making, just like all these practices, they're really not about rules, but they're about making room for God's presence to be the, the, to be the anchor in our lives. Instead of being driven through life, we're being, we're being anchored by God's presence and God's presence anchor, having an anchor in our homes, in our relationships. You know, if all we do is all we've ever done, if all we do is what we've always done, all we're ever going to get is all we've ever had. And, you know, there's new, new practices make way for new experience. And I just want to finish with this. The promise from Hebrews, the promise to us is this. There remains a place of rest for you, a true Sabbath for you, a person of God. So strive, strive this week to enter into that rest. Have a great week. We hope today's message encouraged you. If you want to take your next step in saying yes to Jesus, you can always contact us at cty.lc or fill out the next step section on the City Life app. It's an honor as a church to play just a small part in what God is doing in your life. We look forward to seeing you soon here at City Life.